We're in the book of Psalms for our summer series. The book of Psalms, the Jewish hymn book. And we come today to look at an unusual Psalm number 39. Psalm number 39 for our text today. Psalm number 39. My mother was always a very quiet person. And she had a way of enforcing that quiet on us when we were young. If we got up early, she would say to us as soon as we got to the bottom of the stairs, don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. (laughs) She had the old percolator that sat on the stove and, you know, had to get it heated up so it would percolate. She poured herself a cup and drank it. After that, then you could talk, but not before. Not before. She had ways to keep us quiet. She used to call us pictures. We were pictures. And there was a reason for that. Uh, Before we went into somebody's house for a visit, she turned in the car around to us sitting in the back seat and say, little pictures are to be seen. And not heard. Or in other words, we're going to visit with the adults and you will not interrupt. And you will not dominate the conversation in any way. Little pictures are for looking at and not to hear. <laughs> and sometimes if we were listening to an adult conversation that she didn't think we should be hearing, what was being said She'd look at me and say, little pictures have big ears. (laughs) Which meant, get out of the room and mind your own business. We're talking with the adults. Little pictures have big ears. I remember when my younger sister got to be old enough to talk. She used to really talk constantly on and on. I remember when I got home from school, my mother would say to me, She's been talking all day. (laughs) I think uh, she hoped that I would provide some kind of distraction for a while when I got there. Now, our psalm opens up with a distinct effort to keep quiet in an attempt to stop talking completely. Don't say anything. Now, it has a very introduction with very specific instructions. You see them, it says, to the chief musician, even to Jadothan, a psalm of David. And so, uh, this is a song that is not meant to be sung as a congregational song. Many of the psalms are. The ones we've looked at so far are congregational, but... This is not meant to be sung by the congregation. It sings much better as a solo. Works better as a solo. And so he gives it to the chief musician. This fellow in particular must have been a talented musician. And he gives it to him to sing as a solo. Now, some of the songs we sing, Blessed Assurance. What a wonderful song for us all to sing together. 
Uh, praise the Lord, the Almighty. How great thou art. You sang beautifully this morning. It's meant to be sung by the whole congregation. But there are other songs that are meant to be sort of thought-provoking and connect thoughts together and are better if they're sung as a solo. There's a song I sang when I was a kid. I traveled down a lonely road and no one seemed to care. The burden on my weary back had bowed me to despair. I often complained to Jesus how folks were treating me. And then I heard him sing tenderly. It just works better as a solo. It wouldn't work as a congregational song. So this is one of these songs, song number 39. It expresses some very deep feelings in it. And David tries to work out how he feels about things. And so you hear these deep, heartfelt strains in the music. The goal is to listen not sing along, but to listen and learn. That's why he did this song. And it's David having a conversation with himself. And we're eavesdropping. See? We're eavesdropping in on his private conversation. But he doesn't mind. He's decided that he will allow people to share these deep thoughts that he has. So let's begin this unusual psalm, Psalm number 39, verse 1. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth in a bridle while the wicked is before me. First of all, David says, something's bothering me and I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to sin. Now, everybody knows, you and I know, where sin shows up most frequently, right? And we used to sing a song when we were kids. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Careful, little hands, what you do. The Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. Careful, little feet, where you go. That was the next verse. But the third verse was really the best one. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. So what's bothering David really makes him want to burst out and give his opinion. And let somebody have it and give him a piece of his mind. But... He decides the best thing to do is put a muzzle on his mouth so he can't talk. That's the best thing he can think of. And notice, he tells us who it is that's bothering him. He said, well, the wicked are before me. You see, he sees people doing things that are very bad. Does that sound familiar in our world? Yeah. We can get close to this psalm. He sees people doing things that are very bad, and he wants to say, what is wrong with you? And why are you doing that? Don't you know any better than that? Stop! Stop! 
That's what he would love to burst out and say to them. But he knows if he does, he'll lose his temper, he'll go too far, and probably make it worse. You know what he means? <laughs> Have you ever burst out with something and said too much? No, couldn't be. And it backfires and only makes it worse. You know what I'm talking about. You know what David's talking about. David wants to avoid that. And so he says, I will not open my mouth. I'm going to shut my mouth. Now, self-control is a very good thing. Three cheers for David. He's controlling his mouth, and that's hard to do, isn't it? Hard to do. Now, how does that all work out? Let's see in verse 2. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace, even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. I kept my mouth shut. I did it. And even when I could have said something useful, I still kept quiet. <clears throat> but as I watched what evil people were doing, I was so sad. It made me so sad. I felt so bad that such evil was allowed to go on. Well, verse 3. My heart was hot within me. And while I was musing, the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. So I had my mouth shut. I began to feel a fire inside of me. And the more I thought about it, I was musing, thinking about it. The more I thought about it, the hotter was the fire. Till finally, I couldn't hold it anymore and I let it out. So his goal was to shut his mouth. Now he's failed at that attempt. He said, I opened my mouth. I let it out because it was so intense in me. In verse 4, Lord, and stop right there. Stop right there. When we feel something boiling up inside of us and we just can't hold it in anymore and we feel like we're going to burst if we don't say something, then start by talking to God. That's who you want to talk to first. God is a good listener. And that's exactly what David did. He says, when I couldn't hold it in anymore, then I started talking to God. Verse 4, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. First, Lord, he says, this is a great way to think. Get this in your head. First, Lord, before I complain about somebody else, <laughs> show me myself give me a good look at myself before i say anything about anybody else so my question god is what do i amount to and how long will i live show me how weak i am so god tells him now, he doesn't record it in here, but God tells him, we know it is. And he, he says, now, David, here's what you are. 
and he holds his hand like that. Here's what you are. Now, verse 5. Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand breath. Mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man in his best state is altogether vanity. Now, selah, which means stop and think about that. So let's do that. Let's stop and think about it. God says, David, you think you've reached an age where you're pretty smart. You've reached the age of wisdom. But to me, David, you're just a kid. You're just a kid. As a matter of fact, here is what I use to measure you. This is a hand breath. It's actually a measurement. Uh, he says, I'm going to measure you as a hand breath. Now, uh, there are other measurements in the Bible. And one of them is a span. And a span is from the tip of your thumb to the tip of your finger, stretched out as far as I can. And if you look at that, it's always, for most people, nine inches from here to here, called a span. But he doesn't say you're a span. He says you're a hand breath, or from here to here, which is about three inches. Our four fingers together, and they use that as a, as a measurement in the old days there. There's three inches across the span of four fingers. So, in fact, David, you don't amount to much. If I measure you this way, you don't amount to much. And you say to me, Eric, that's not a very encouraging thing to say. I'm going to say this to you. Go outside at night and look up in the night sky. On a clear night, stars as far as you can see. In that great expanse of universe up there, the planets are moving by and the moon is crossing over the sky. Look at all that, that vast space up there and then take a look at yourself. And you're going to say like David said in another Psalm 19, he says, when I consider the heavens and the work of your hands, what is man that you're mindful of? What, is, what do you amount to? Look up there. How much do you amount to? And if you need to, go stand in the Rocky Mountains. You want to feel small. Stand on top of one of those great big mountains and look across as far as your eye can see at valleys where hardly anybody's ever even been. Look across that great Rocky Mountains and see how big you feel then. Or stand on the shores of the ocean. We just came from the Atlantic. Go stand on the shores of the ocean. Watch the waves, waves rolling in from out of the sea. How big do you feel now? You go out 10 feet, they'll knock you over. How big do you feel? So don't be surprised if God says you're this big. You're three inches. Don't be surprised if they use the smallest measurement. A hand breath 
to measure what you are. Now, God says, David, what was your problem? Well, people are doing evil things, and they're doing bad things, and it really gets inside of me, and I feel bad. Verse 6, surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. We look at the world and the people in this world and we see anxiety. Lots of it. And the word he uses here is that people are disquieted. Or that is, they were calm and quiet, and then they became the opposite of that, which is anxious. All worked up, full of stress. He says, I look at the world, and they're full of stress. And we ask, what are they all worked up about out there? He says, man is spending all his energy gathering money, making money, building a fortune, and he works himself up into a stressful tizzy over the whole thing. So there's a tremendous amount of energy spent doing things that in the end won't amount to anything out in this world. So David reasons now with God. If that's the way the world is, verse number 7. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. I want to be different from the way the world is out there and all that stress. I want to get away from it. I don't want to waste my life energies on foolish things that the world possesses and pursues. So he says, I trust in you, God. I want to live for you. I don't want to live that other way. I want to live for you like I should. In verse 8, deliver me from my tr- all my transgressions and make me not the reproach of the foolish. He asked God for two things. Forgive me for all of my sins. Please, Lord, I want to start there. I want to ask God to forgive me for all my sins. You can ask that all you want. Don't you listen to some theologian who says you only got to ask once. Don't pay attention to those theologians. Ask all you want. Ask whenever you need to. Ask as much as you can that God to forgive you. And then the second thing, please, Lord, if I'm going to spend my life, will you help me to live in such a way that I will not give people an excuse? Now, I want to be an example, a good example. I don't want to be an excuse for somebody to do bad. I remember at work we had a fellow who always went around telling everybody he was a Christian. And then he sold something to somebody. It ended up it didn't work. So the fellow said, hey, you sold me a piece of junk. He said, I'll kill you if you say that again. (laughs) And we had an old fellow named Charlie Charlie says, sure enough, that's them Christians always going to kill each other like David and Goliath. (laughs) Well, what else was he going to say? Sometimes Christians behave so poorly. 
It makes everybody, you know, whatever, you don't be one of those. His wife was a secretary. She was sitting at her desk doing nothing one day, and I walked in. And she said, I just want to sit here until the rapture. I guess the boss didn't want to wait that long, so he got rid of her. <laughs> I mean, come on. He said, I don't want to be like that, David. said, I don't want to be an excuse. I don't want my behavior to be an excuse for people to say, I don't want to be a Christian. Verse 9, I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. God disciplined me, he said. And I looked at what I was when he showed me. Here's who you are. Here's who you are, David. Not much. Here's who you are. And I realized what I was and I shut my mouth. I saw my own weakness. I shut my mouth. But this time, God did it. <laughs> See, God did it this time. I was going to do it the first time. And then God said, here's who you are. You don't amount to much, you know. And he said, this time, God shut me up. I got a good look at myself. You see, when you get a good look at yourself, you got a whole lot less to say about others. Huh? That's right. All right, verse 10 and 11. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. When thou rebukes, dost correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity, Selah. Stop and think about this one, he said. God disciplined me, and the way he did it, he showed me how small and insignificant I was. And it was like a beautiful garment in a dresser drawer. And my life is all put together, I thought, carefully sewn. I'm like a fine garment. And so when I reached in and I pulled that dress or, or that uh, garment out of that dresser drawer and I opened it up and unfolded, I saw it was all full of moth holes. It was good for nothing. He says, stop and think about that. I am not a beautifully woven garment. That's not how you describe my life. Sin has left me full of holes and not much good for anything. So, what next? What are you going to do next? How do you feel? Verse 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears. For I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner as all my fathers were. Hear my prayers, how he said uh, okay, I see what I am. Now hear my prayer. I'm asking for help. Because I look at this world around me and I see the way they operate and the stressful way that they uh, behave. And I feel like I don't belong here. Like I'm a stranger a sojourner is what he says. And sojourners were people who just kept passing through 
and didn't stop. There's the old song we sang, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. If heaven's not my home, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. David says, I don't feel like I belong here. I look at the chaos in the world and all the stress and all the anxiety and all the trouble that's heaped up, and I see a defiant attitude out there in the world towards God. I see it all around me. Lord, I don't want to be here. I don't belong here. I hear about heaven and peace and joy and love, and I want to go there more and more and escape this world with all of its troubles and trials. But right now, Lord, here I am in the middle of this mess. So, what? Verse 13, spare me that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. He said, Lord, I'm stuck in this world. I'm going to that one and I'll never feel at home here. But right now, I'm stuck in this world. So you're going to have to give me strength, Lord. You're going to have to give me strength to follow Jesus. You're going to have to give me strength to shine as a light in this dark world. You have to give me strength to offer to this world out there a way of escape, an answer to their fears, and a way to find relief from their anxieties. You need strength for holding my tongue when I should. And I need strength to see myself for what I really am. Strength not to be swept away in the tide of trouble and stress that surrounds me. Strength to love Jesus and to love people. Oh Lord, I feel like I don't belong here, but while I'm here, use me, help me, give me strength, use me to encourage others, and use me for your kingdom. I may be a hand breath, all right? I may just be a little small thing, but take me and use what little I have for your kingdom. And that was the solo that David wanted them to sing. It's a very private conversation with God, but it's a way of thinking about life that can make us useful to God. Help us realize what we are and what we amount to and pray that God will give us strength to live for him in this chaotic world. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, it's good to trust in you. It's good to know who we are and who you are. We're glad for this little private solo that was sung for us so that we'll know the blessing of God and what he can do to help us. We trust in you with all of our hearts. Come what may, we believe that it will be the best thing for us to serve God in this world all we can. And we look forward to that future world and the blessing that awaits us there. 
We don't feel at home here at all, but we know that there's a place where you can come to us, give us strength and love. So bless us, we ask, as we wait on you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn in your hymn book, if you will. Hymn number 300, page number 300. In closing, as we stand together and sing, it is well with my soul. Standing as we sing, a good end to this psalm, it is well with my soul. Oh!
Amen. All right, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Your kind Heavenly Father, we bow before you and know that you are good and you are kind to us, and we thank you for that. And in this world that's not our home, we look for you to give us strength to get through to the end. We believe in you, trust in you with all our heart. We believe and we sing it. It is well with my soul because we trust in God. So bless us, Lord. Bless these people who have gathered here on this day and those out listening too, Lord. May we know that these things are real, that God is true and faithful. So help us, we ask. Bless us for gathering here this day. We thank you for each one that has. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.